It's amazing how many Christians do not understand that. Um, because as we read in John chapter 10 earlier today, it says it was the feast of Hanukkah. It says that right in the book of John. And it was winter. There are no other feasts in winter except Hanukkah. We have spring and fall. And they say, well, Hanukkah is not in the white. It's the Hebrew word for dedication. The feast of dedication. And Yeshua was in Jerusalem. Why was he there? He was celebrating Hanukkah with all the ceremonies about the rededicating of the temple. So he celebrated that particular festival in Jerusalem as well. So we're remembering the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem that took place in about the year 165 B.C. or B.C.E. So I guess my question is this. Okay, so, so why do we make such a big deal over a building that no longer exists? Because that's what we're doing. We are remembering a building that's not there anymore. In fact, give us some thought on what's there now. We'll talk about, actually today, a little bit. We'll talk about that a little bit today. That's, that's a temporary structure, by the way. Temporary structure. But it, it hasn't existed since 70 A.D., our temple. So why do we make a big thing of it? Why don't you ask me? Then I'll tell you. Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> Let's go back to the start of this whole thing. The battle. There's a battle that's going on. And to understand Hanukkah properly, you have to understand the battle. Because Hanukkah is a picture of many other things, many of those things that happened and started at Hanukkah are still happening today, and they have affected all of our lives in this country. All of our lives have been affected by those events. The majority of that we'll be talking about next week, the, the historical aspects in, in particular, but we're still getting the residuals from what happened. Well, in the opening chapters of Genesis, let's go back to the beginning, God reveals a purpose for creation, uh, and, and especially a purpose for man and woman. Uh, Man was made in the image of God. Nothing else in creation was. He is unique in that. He has a living soul in him. The image of God. Our battle with Satan. It's a battle that we have against Satan. See, I believe he really exists. And that battle began with us at our creation. It started before that, but with us it started there. Satan approaches Eve. In fact, let's, uh, let's turn there. Chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I bet many of you thought I was going to... Adam and Eve today, did they? Well, it's important <clears throat> that we go there. Genesis 3. What you have in this chapter is the classic outline of how Satan still works today. This is a classic outline. <clears throat> chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made. And he said, we have talking snakes? Uh-huh, we do. I, I, my, it's killing me to go into this in detail, but I'm, I'm going to get to what I'm supposed to be doing here. So the snake talks, and it doesn't seem to bother Eve too much, does it? Because there was communication with animals back then, and there will be again in the future. Some of you do that already with your dogs and cats, right? Yeah, yeah, I do too. And they, they have selective hearing. If you say cookie, they're right there, right? Right, yeah, okay. You say bath? Mm, no. Yeah. He said to the woman, God has indeed said, now there's a tone there. God has indeed said, it's a question. You should not eat of every tree of the garden. It's a question. I mean, 
Can't you eat of every tree? Has he, has he said that? Look at their beautiful. Look, why? Surely you can. Because this is not temptation. It still comes to all of us today. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the, tree of, the, of, uh, the, of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, this is important, you shall not eat it. Okay, God said, and she's quoting him exactly, correctly. Nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, here comes the next part of the temptation, you will not surely die. Satan contradicts God. He still does that. He counterfeits. He takes what God said and turns it around. He said, he's saying, you won't do, you know, God, God may have said that, but that's not going to happen. I'll prove it to you. Go ahead and eat. I'll prove it to you. You won't die. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's the, that's the temptation. It comes in, in these subtle forms. <clears throat> God, God hath said? Hmm. Verse 5. For God knows. Does he know? Everything. What do you know? What do I know? Not much. God, that's why you need to do what he says. God knows that in the day that you eat of it, uh-oh, here's the other part of the temptation, your eyes will be opened. Isn't that what you want? And you will be like God. Wow, what a great thing. We're made in his image after all, right? Oh, look at this next one. Knowing good and evil. And I can't help but think that Eve was saying or thinking, what is evil? Because they didn't know that yet. What is evil? Oh, I mean, you don't know about evil? Oh, you love it. You're going to love evil. I mean, it's, it's going to be so much fun for you. See, she didn't know what it was. So God is withholding something from you. See, that, those temptations come like that. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, okay, it looks good. Okay, it was pleasant to the eyes. looks good. Desirable to make one wise. Well, I will know things I don't know. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her. He was with her, okay, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. We're going to talk about that part some other time. They sewed fig leaves together to make themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the midst of the garden, in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence, from the presence of the Lord. We were singing tonight the song, The, the Presence of the Lord. Well, that, this is not the same as that one. It was at one time, but it changed because of them yielding to the, to the temptation. They were hiding themselves... You know what? That's what sin does. You ever want to hide from the presence of the Lord? If you do, it's because of sin. Okay? When he forgives sin, you want to be in his presence, not hide from his presence. All these opposites in Scripture. So they're hiding. You can hide from God, right? That's not, that's not a, a good idea. And the Lord called to Adam and he said, Where are you? Of course, he knew where he was. So he said, Well, I heard your voice in the garden. What was, that? What was God saying? Maybe he was singing. I really think that may have been it. I don't know. I, he heard God's voice. We want to hear God's voice. I want to hear God's voice. But not, not if I'm hiding. I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid. Oh, God doesn't bring fear. When you hear his voice, he's not to bring fear. He brings peace. He brings shalom. I was afraid because, in fact, I, I was naked. And God said, uh, who told you you were naked? Uh... Well, let's see. Uh, not too many choices there. 
Uh, let's see. Um, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? Well, um, the woman. The woman that you gave me, that one, the woman that you gave to me, she gave it to me, and I ate. But it was her fault. And the Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? The woman said, well, that snake that you made, made me do it. Guess what? That doesn't hold any water. You're accountable for your actions. And some negative things began to happen. And they're still happening with all of us. This is a classic set up an approach and temptation of Satan because he doesn't come and tempt you with maybe the things you might think we start talking about right away. What he does is he brings doubt to God's word. That's where he starts. He brings doubt to God's word. He has a plan. You know, God has a plan. We see it unfolding in Scripture. This book is about God's plan from beginning to end. Satan has a plan. And it's in this book too. Okay, it's a, it's a different plan. He wants to undermine God's plan. He wants to undermine God's plan and purpose for all of us by, first of all, bringing doubt to his word. That's where he starts, doubt to his word. If you're doubting the scriptures, the source of that doubt is Satan himself. You are being tempted by Satan. Well, as they talked in the garden, Eve and Satan and so on, um, simply when God says something, you're to do it. Because she could have asked, well, what, what is wisdom and what is evil and what is good. All they knew was good. And you see, there are some things that you may not want to know. Some things about evil that are just left that you don't know because it's not, none of it is good. And God is protecting you. You as parents protect your children from evil. But as some people expose them to forms of evil, it, it uh, hurts them and, and uh, causes sometimes pain that lasts for most, if not all of, the, all of their lives. You as a parent protect them. God wanted to protect us. He said, so don't do that. Don't do that. But we have a free will. We can violate God's instructions. But when we do, there's consequences. Sometimes other people get the brunt of the consequences from what, okay, we're still suffering from what they did. But your kids suffer from what you do. And it goes down the line. And, and, and sin permeates. All those pictures we have of sin in the Bible, like 11, it permeates. And, and all. But it starts with something subtle. Starts with doubt. God, God didn't really say that. Why well, He's hiding stuff from you that if you if you you can have fun if you do this. And sin is not fun. Sin is not fun. You know, the, uh, later in Genesis it talks about the pleasures of sin. They're for a season. And it turns around the other way, and it becomes something not very good at all. Well, God made some promises. Back back to Hanukkah now. Okay, that that's that's the showing how. Satan is going to be attacking for the rest of the scriptures. But at Hanukkah, believe it or not, we have to talk about the Abrahamic covenant. God made some pretty strong and bold promises to Abraham and to his descendants. Now, part of the covenant, that the promise that God gave to Abraham was that there will always be Jews, which is, by the way, restated in the new covenant in Jeremiah 31. God said there will always be Jews. So, um, another part of that covenant, which is on the news every day, okay, has to do with the land. God gave the land to Abraham's descendants through Isaac and through Jacob, not through Ishmael. Through Isaac and through Jacob. He gave a specific piece of land. Okay, that's a part of this covenant. 
just listen to the news. They're doubting God every day. They're saying, no, the land doesn't belong to Jews. It belongs to, and we can talk about a few of these groups. No, it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to them. It belongs to them. It was interesting, the scripture today on the wall about the, uh, in Obadiah. Uh, how many of you have been to Petra? Been to Petra? Uh, that's where the Edomites lived, in the clefts of the rock. And we sang the other song about the real cleft of the rock at Mount Sinai, where God put Moses and he was able to see his glory as he passed by. But the sin in the book of Obadiah had to do with the Edomites. The Edomites are descendants of Jacob. Okay, Jacob and Esau had some struggles, right? We saw a part of that story today. But they sat up in the cleft of the, the safety of the city of Petra, the rock city of Petra. When Israel was being attacked, see, they're distant cousins. They should have come and helped them. And they didn't. They just said, we want to see what happens. And God said, you know, I, I saw you. And because you did not help your brother Israel, your brother Jacob, I'm going to judge you. And he said, in the day, he said this, in the day that you sat there and looked and did nothing to help Jacob, you became as the enemy. It's not that, you see, they're not neutral in God's eyes. They're as the enemy because they didn't help Israel. They became as the enemy. The U.S. cannot be neutral. We're either for Israel or not. You better pray for our government. Okay, they're not going the right way at all. And we're going to be really unpopular in our stance, being Zionists like we are. And I have lots of things like that on my tapes. So they're going to find me really quick. But the Edomites. Now, how many people know Edomites today? You know anybody who's an Edomite today? No, there aren't any Edomites. The prophecy was God is going to take them out as an ethnic people group. And he did. One of the last of the Edomites, though, Satan gets in there and gives his final punch. You know who that was? One of the last of the Edomites? King Herod. King Herod and his family. And again, he's the one who attempted to kill all the babies in Bethlehem. One final attack from the Edomites. Well, <clears throat> the land was promised. The existence is promised by God to Jews. A promise to them that some of us who are not Jews stand upon and support. Uh, there's a lot of Christian Zionists, and we need their prayers and help and support, and finances as well, especially in, in, in Jews making Aliyah. Well, the New Covenant says it in stronger language in Jeremiah 31. In fact, God is honor-bound to keep all the promises that he has made to Israel, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and to their descendants. It keeps saying that. His word is at stake. You've got to think about this. God's word is at stake, but that's what Satan is attacking, his word. He's attacking his word. If Israel's not the land, then this book isn't true. If Jews don't exist, then this book is not true. He's trying to undermine the word and the plan of God. It's not going to work. And Paul says in Romans, we just read this last week, that the gifts and calling of God upon Jews are irrevocable. It doesn't matter their behavior. God's promise is there forever. You have kids, and sometimes they're good, and sometimes they're not. They're still your kids. Okay, like it or not, you've got them. That's the way it is with his promises. The calling of God upon Jewish people is irrevocable. Irrevocable. You see, Christian theology in the Middle Ages said, Oh no, we have not replaced these. Because we're the good children, and we have replaced this. That's just not in the Bible. 
It's not there. And of all the crazy places to have the strongest teaching is in Romans, where this other theology came around and got twisted. It's his irrevocable word. And this is the key of Hanukkah. God made promises that he promised that he would keep. Well, all, and you know what all means, of the end time events, the prophecies. That's another important point. If God, if God gives a prophecy and it doesn't happen, makes him look bad, doesn't it? That's what Satan's trying to do. Keep the prophecies from happening. What is prophecy? Prophecy is history that hasn't happened yet. Think about it. But it's going to. So Satan tries to undermine, even if it says it's going to happen in so-and-so city, Satan tries to annihilate that city. So it can't happen there. He is trying to make it so it can't happen, or so it won't happen, and undermine the word of God. All of the final end-time events, including the final fall and judgment of Satan himself, listen carefully, must have living Jews. Every single prophecy, the center of the core of it is Jews who are alive at that time. I might add, and living in Israel, okay, and living in Israel, because it's their land. Uh, there must be living Jews identifiable as Jews. Identity is the key issue at Hanukkah. Jewish identity was being attacked, not Judaism, Jewish identity. And in the intense prophecies, Matthew 24 and so on, Yeshua's uh, strong and lengthy teachings, the context was Jews living in Jerusalem. That city belongs to them and to them alone. And the context is what happened and on Shabbat. talks about holidays, Jewish holidays, not the other guys. So, Satan attempts to either derail undermine or flat out make those promises unable or impossible to happen. As in the, uh, Micah's prophecy about the Messiah being born in Bethlehem. Well, all the wise men show up and, and Herod's all upset and he, we know that he didn't read his scriptures, right? He, said, he called his scribes over. Now, where is that prophecy again? Well, in, in Bethlehem. Okay, okay, thanks. So he kills all the babies in Bethlehem. As if that's going to do it, Right? Well, you see, the, the, the mind of Satan works. If only we can just, just kill them all, th- then it won't happen. The Holocaust. If only we can just kill them all, then it won't happen. See, there's various forms of how Satan works. There's, there's three main ones I'm going to talk about t- today. The first one was what I just mentioned. Uh, no Jews. If there are no Jews, this book is a lie. Simple as that. So Satan's trying to say, it's a lie. I told you all along. Follow me. That's what he wants to say. Okay, no Jews by extermination of all of them. There have been various attempts all through history of extermination. Obviously, they have not been successful, nor will they ever be. But there will probably be more. The point being is, this time, on, on the heels of the last Holocaust, we can be prepared and make decisions ahead of time of where we stand and make a difference in the outcome. Not just like the Edomites, watch and see what happens, like what happened in World War II. Okay, that's one. The other two is no Jews... Through total loss of identity as Jews. You can't identify them. No more holidays, no more Torah. That's what Hanukkah is all about. That's what the Greeks attempted to do, was take everything Jewish out of the culture. Okay, And it, it worked partially. We're going to talk in detail on that next week. So if we take away, in other words, the, the term for that is called assimilation. If you go to a country, somebody pick a country. Holland. Holland. Okay, 
Let's see. You like tulips? I do. You, you go to Holland and you, when you go there, you want to go Dutch, okay? Talk, 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 talk. Okay, when you go there, you just want to be so bad like a Dutch person. You want to wear those wooden shoes and those funny little hats, okay? Well, that was, well, that's the best we could do, right? Okay, you talk first. Okay, but the point is that if you did that and gave up your whole identity as Jews, that's assimilation. Oh, wh- what kind of a religion does Holland have? I bet it's Dutch Reformed. What do you bet? I think so. Okay. You, you, you be that and so on. Are you with me? Okay, good. And so you become like them. But you see, Jewish identity through the years has not done that. That's one of the amazing things and it's coming up in the future of, of future teachings as well, that Jewish, the Jewish heritage and culture has remained in every country in the world, which becomes a wonderful thing for us in one and a half minutes. If certain ethnic groups go to various countries, they assimilate. When Jews go to China, they may eat kosher Chinese food and all this kind of stuff, but they do Passover, okay, they do Hanukkah. We saw the pictures. They do the biblical holidays. They do Jewish things. The culture is maintained. Anywhere in the world it's the same, same days. God's given us his calendar. It's that calendar that that we use. The nice thing is that any culture in the world where where there's a Jewish community, you can go and know what's good, even know the scripture being read that morning in Shabbat. The culture is maintained everywhere in the world. Now the opposite of that is, oh, just give all that and be like us. That's what Paul was saying in, uh, in, in uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, which is my teaching at the conference, which I didn't mention today. The conference is in February, President's Weekend. We will not meet that day. We're going to be all at the hotel. We have time to talk about that. But when Paul, when Paul talked about that, that's your key Hanukkah verse, and I'm not even using it this year in teaching. I be, 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. He says, please do this. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's temple talk. Sacrifice. Not a dead one, a live one. Don't die for God, live for him. And don't be conformed. That was Hanukkah. The Greeks came and they said, you must conform to us. You must be like us. You will change your names. You will change your holidays. You will do all the things that we do. You will be Greek. Or you die. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. That's next week's teaching. That's assimilation. Sometimes it's gentle and subtle, and sometimes it's forced on people. Sometimes it's forced. But Jewish people have survived as Jewish people for over 2,000 years in the diaspora. And God has maintained that identity. The identity must be maintained for this book to be true. So assimilation simply means you've lost the culture and the heritage. Now, third one. Jews can exist, but not in the land of Israel. We hear that one right now. They can exist in other places, but just not in Israel. And if they exist in other places, they can't be of any significance there. They can be tolerated as long as they're under control. I'm quoting, don't mail this to the bad guys, okay? I'm kind of quoting uh, Islam on that. That's what they teach. And by teaching, I haven't given this one in a long, long time. It's a couple hours long. But we teach the perspective of Jewish people from the Islamic point of view. And in Islamic, in, under, under Muslim law, 
and there's uh, 20, there's, there's 50 countries that uh, go by a Muslim law, 22 Arab uh, countries. But in that country, there are Jewish communities. There's a Jewish community uh, in almost all, all these countries. And they're allowed to be a, a Jewish community and do those Jewish things, except, as some, some examples, they can't hold a public office uh, above a Muslim. It has to be down here at, at the low point. Their house has to be lower than a Muslim's house. They can't have a car that's nicer. It, it's all these comparisons, and you can exist, but you're second class, and, and we let you know about that. That's a whole long teaching, but not for today. But, but you have that teaching. And or Jews can exist, but not in our country. They can exist in that country. Now, what country might I be talking about where they're now saying on the news that Jews can't exist? It's in Israel. Okay? The, the, the attempt to form a Palestinian state... And the former, I wish, I just, I don't understand the deafness of our government and of the, of the UN, how deaf they are. I mean, it's, it's a spiritual, horrible deafness. Other countries, if they say a little thing, get all, get pounded on. We, we, you know, Israel, all these, uh, if they do one little thing wrong, they get blasted. But the, the, the those who want a Palestinian state, all right? What, what, the, the last election that things teetered um, to Hamas. Hamas, if you were in that political party, the name of it means violence. Wouldn't you name your party violence? Isn't that a nice, nice catchy title? I guess the, the, the title tells all. Violence. Violence. All right? Um, Jews can't live in our country. What they're saying is when we have our state, when Hamas is in control, it will be, a, they, this is the exact quote, it'll be a Jew free country, a Jew-free area. They use the word Jew-free area. If, any, if we were to use that at the UN, they'd, they would holler and yell at us about, about a Muslim-free area or something else. But nobody says a word about it. Well, that's okay. Excuse me. What we're talking about is the biblical land of Judea and Samaria that they want to say is a Jew-free area. I got news for you. It's not going to happen. Okay, that is not going to happen. Okay? The nations of the world are in favor of Hamas. Violence. They're in favor of violence against Israel. Don't understand it. They call Zionism, what you believe and what I believe, racism. They say we are racists if we are Zionists. Because to say that God gave this land to Jews is absurd. That's saying this is absurd. Okay? Just, just watch out. Because your friends and neighbors and family are going to start saying things about you. How nutty we are. Because we believe this stuff. I believe every word of it. Every single word. All right? It's going to happen just, just like it says. Well, they call Zionism racism, but they totally discriminate openly against Jews as a people group. Anti-Semitism. And as a religion. Anti-Semitism. And, and what it sounds like, the wording, is absolutely amazing. If you, if you go to Yad Vashem... If you go to the Holocaust Museum in Los Angeles, it's the same verbiage as Nazi Germany in 1939. Same wording. A Jew-free area. Let's put them in a ghetto. It's exactly what they're saying, and nobody's saying anything against those guys. Well, pray. Pray. Four. We're supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. All right? So pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Hanukkah. Is about one of the attacks of Satan against the identity of the Jewish people. 
And that method is still being carried on today. And you have to understand, we are accused of that too. Okay, because of church history and people who believe in Jesus, uh, they, they were taught by uh, Christians and by Jews that you can't be a Jew and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And they give all the reasons. And you know what? In the Middle Ages, they were dead right because it was forced assimilation, forced baptism, forced conversions, all these things that totally go against the scriptures. But the people couldn't read. They didn't know any, any better. And the, the church and, and, and the, the state became one, and they took control of everything, including the, the money, and told people what to believe, which is not biblical. And so we have a horrible history in the past of those who believe in Yeshua, claim to, and make these signs and so on, and the, 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 the crusades. All this history is, is horrible in, in the past. We need to know that history. But that's not us. We don't, we're accused of, of being that, but we're not. Okay, because what we say to people who are Jewish, who come to faith in a Jewish Messiah, who's prophesied about it in a Jewish book, in a Jewish land, that that doesn't make you not a Jew if you believe in him. And it, we want you, who are Jews in this room, to be the very best Jews you can be, doing things that are biblical and Jewish. What we did this morning in this Torah service was a biblical Jewish thing to do. And we want to honor the biblical holidays. All of them. And identify with God's chosen people and support them and love them and, and help them any, any way that we can. But the events I said earlier of Hanukkah, the, the first one, are still residual things happening to us in the world today. The influence of, of the Greeks. The target of Satan's attack was Jewish identity. Jewish identity. Uh, let's take a look at our Jewish identity briefly. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 14. It had been there for a long time. Deuteronomy 14. Holland. I don't know. Holland, okay. I like Holland. There's a lot of Jewish people in Holland. A lot of tulips there. Okay. Verse 2. For you are a holy people to the... This is the Jews. To the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself a special treasure above all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It says that three times in the Bible. People, some anti-Semites don't like that. God chose you to be special. says it three times. A special treasure? Wait a minute. That's what it says three times. Three times. If you believe the Bible, you better deal with that one. You better deal with it. God chose... Jews. Now, listen carefully. They didn't choose him. God created Israel. He didn't look around for a a nation and say, okay, I'm going to pick you. You're a good group of people. I'll work through you. No, he created a nation through Abraham and his descendants and said, through you, I will make a nation. Israel was created in the heart and plan and mind of God. Uh, You cannot maintain a Jewish identity all by yourself. I told some of you, all of you probably, if, you, if you've been around a while, a few years ago, a long time ago now, when I made that three and a half month cruise to the South Pacific, we were in Tonga twice. <clears throat> and in every port we have the, this reception where it's basically we had taken ice cream for VIPs. Who are the VIPs? Well, you talked to the mayor and they, you said, we say send 50 VIPs. 
And these, the ones they always would choose were the local pastors in, in the community. And, and so in Tonga, I, I, there's this woman who's from New Zealand, and she approaches me because I, I'm, you know, I'm, she can tell I'm a chaplain. And we're, we're, we're talking, and I, she runs the Christian bookstore, which has a Messianic section in Tonga. A Messianic section in Tonga. And I said, um, so how'd that happen? She said, well, the queen of Tonga said God spoke to her and told me that I was supposed to do this. So I did. I go, okay, that's good. That'll work. And then she, I would then tell her about all of you and Adat HaMashiach and what, what the Messianic movement is. She knew all about it. Some, some of the tapes from our conferences were in the bookstore. Some of my tapes were in the bookstore. I go, is that you? Yeah, that's me. And then she came up a little closer. She says, you know, and she, she was right there. She was connected. She says, you know, there are 96,000 people in the Tonga Islands. And there's one Jew. And she's standing right behind you. And I'm thinking, is this a divine appointment or what? What? Give me the chances of this one. And her name? Esther, of course. Esther, come here. She says, I just come back from living in Israel at the time. She said, I'd like you to meet Bob from Jerusalem. I was from Megdal, but she didn't get I didn't say anything. You know, what kind of a speech did I give? I, I, you know, I didn't say a thing, you know. She said, oh, she says, I know I'm supposed to be in the land that God gave us. Oh, I know I'm supposed to be there. But I ran away. I'm kind of like Jonah. I looked at the map and the other side of the world is Tonga. So I came here to, to, to run away from God. But, you know, I, I'm not saying a word. I'm just standing here, you know, smiling, okay. And the whole thing was, um, uh, God used just my presence to give a little signal, come home. You know, you, you don't belong in Tonga, it's nice, but come home. It's hard in Israel. Yeah, of course it is. Satan's attacking all the time. And so are, so are all the surrounding countries. You get missiles all the time. You do. You've you got to think about that. And, the, and, the, and uh, Hezbollah is getting better. They're getting longer-range missiles. And they're coming anywhere in the country. Now, if you really want to live in Israel, you've got to think about that. But you're within missile range. Of course, the other guys better think about it, too. They are, too. You will see in the near future. It's interesting how many bases are disappearing in Iran these days, isn't it? Oh, well. There's a, I, I think Israel uh, is going to make the difference of, of these saber-rattling countries. And you will, I think there will be some real surprises very, very soon. So, I said you cannot be, have a Jewish identity all by yourself. This Esther lady was trying to do that. She couldn't do it. Why is that? Because God created us to be a community. You know, to, we do things as a community. The instructions, Torah, okay, declare that we're to be a community of people. Okay, we're, it's a people. People are what's important. That's where the whole thing of the minion came from. You have to have a group of people to have a service. It's not just all by yourself. Okay, he has set us apart, sanctified us as a people. To be holy, to be set apart, to be different. We eat different, we look different, we have different holidays. But they all point to him, every, every single one. One of the purposes of, the, of a Messianic synagogue, of this congregation, is to keep all of us together and identifiable. You know, some of you are here, this is your home. Some of you go here and go to a church. Some of you go to a church and visit here. All right? Your identity is important. Okay, and, and those of you who have been here a while, you probably struggled with that when you first came. You need to pray and listen to the Lord and don't let somebody else 
identify who you are. You identify who you are. Okay? And, and, and you need to be and fit where you belong. And being in two worlds is difficult. It's really hard. Pray about the one you're to be in. Some Gentiles, some, some of you, have chosen, it's by choice, you choose, to identify with Jews, including a biblical lifestyle, which is different than some of your friends. But it's by choice, it's by choice, to identify with, not as, but identify with Jewish people, to stand with them. Our Jewish identity comes together, as we saw in the book of Acts, in the synagogues, there were Jews and Gentiles together, but it was a Jewish identity in that synagogue. Um, when I say about don't let others identify you, because they'll start writing what you believe and what you do and so on, and then how you do it wrong and not like them and so on. No, no. You just know. That's why I've always said this. Know what you believe and why. And never say when they ask you a question, well, why do you... Well, but Bob believes that. No. You better take ownership for what you believe and be able to defend it. Or don't say, I believe it. It's okay if the jury's out. You say, you know, I'm struggling with that. I'm not sure where I stand. But don't say, I believe that, if you don't. And if you do believe it, know why. You have to, have to be able to defend it. One of my profs in the seminary, Dr. Charles Lee Feinberg, Jewish man, of course, said that to us. We, you know, our grades were at stake. He said, don't. You know, here's the statement of faith of the, of the school. Don't just say that. You know, because we have to defend that. If you say, I believe this, you better stand on that little square and be able to defend that square, or don't say that, which was good advice. Don't say, I believe it. You can say, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. And, that, and that's okay. And that's okay. And some of the things are difficult. They're not easy, and they t- take some struggle. If you hang in there, you'll get the answers that you need to these things. Messianic Jewish identity is what's important for us. Now listen carefully. Our identity is not in our Judaism. Our identity is in Yeshua, the Messiah. That's what makes us who we are. It's in him. It's in him that we are one. The the text about our unity, we are one in him. Not we are one in, in our Judaism, we are one in him. Paul, the Pharisee, declares... In him, in Acts 26, we live and move and have our being. The Pharisee, he was really orthodox. He said, no, it's, my existence is in him. It's in him. He's why I live. He, he is the reason. Um, and again, somebody better, not right now, but at some point, count the number of times in Ephesians. Just that one book, little book, where it says, in him. Paul goes, in him, in him, in him, in him, in him. He's the focal point. That's what makes the difference. That's what makes, that's what makes us messianic. He, our identity is in the Messiah. It's in Yeshua. We are a Yeshua-focused congregation. Everything else is important, but he's the priority. He's number one. In Acts chapter 15, Peter declares to the Jerusalem council, when this struggle about, what do you do with all the Gentiles? He said this in uh, verse uh, 14. God has visited the Gentiles to take from them a people to bear his name. Oh, you see, the Great Commission was to take it to them, and then once it goes there, they're to take it to other, other people as well. Uh, Jewish and Gentile together in Messiah. Not one in Judaism, one in him. In Galatians chapter 3 of all the books, Galatians, he said we are one in Messiah. That's our unity, that's our oneness. A Messianic Jewish identity. 
is the opposite of assimilation, what we're accused of. We choose to maintain the identity that is Jewish. And we get in trouble for it sometimes from our family or other, some of our Christian friends. Say, well, no, didn't you, you know, they don't understand. And I have found over the years, when I explain this, that either people get it or they don't. There's no middle ground. They either, they either say, oh, I see that, or you're nuts. You're crazy. I get both, but not much in between. Again, you need to be able to share who you are and why you are who you say you are. Well, Gentile identity. We've been talking about that for a couple of weeks, or three weeks or so. To be or not to be. If you're not Jewish, by blood. But are called to be a part of this end-time revival movement, then you are like Ruth. And Jewish people understand that. A Gentile with a Jewish heart. Because, like Ruth, you say, your people shall be my people. Your God will be my God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. Which means there's Jewish roots to your faith. And a connection in the olive tree that Paul talked about in Romans 11. A calling to live among and to bless Jews. Okay, and to provoke them to jealousy, not provoke them. But it involves a lifestyle. See, we're going back to the Hanukkah thing. A lifestyle. Okay, we have it here. You can choose to live like Greeks or like Jews. Or better put, how about biblical? Okay, biblical. Because God tells us how to live. Even even what to eat, what not to eat. Because he loves us. He's, He's concerned about us. A lifestyle that blesses Jews and not repels them. A lifestyle in which they will feel comfortable when you invite them to your home for dinner. Okay, don't serve ham. Okay, at, at Passover, don't do that. No, no. Why do I bring it up? This is not a joke. People do this. Oh, don't do it. Some of our people have been to these. Uh, don't do that. Okay. And some of them do it on purpose because we want to show you that you're free from the law now to eat anything you want. Don't do that. That's very offensive. Okay, that's why you have to understand a Jewish culture to be able to, to function within it. Uh, you don't have to prove anything. You have to be who you are, but that's it. It involves being sensitive and understanding Jewish issues, not ignorant about them, because they're going to ask you what you think about those things. Are you a Zionist? What does that mean or why? It involves learning Jewish culture. And, and a Jewish heritage. And there's a lot to learn. It's a long and rich and deep culture. The customs. Know what's a custom and what's biblical. What's tradition? Because a lot of what we, what we do is tradition. Yeshua did tradition. When he did, he made it biblical. How do you know which is which? It takes some struggle and some work to know the difference. And it's fun, by the way. It's all fun. All the holidays are fun. Hanukkah is fun. We eat fun things, all right? You have to go off your diet in about two weeks or so, Okay. But living beyond the lifestyle, okay, we need to live the biblical lifestyle, but it's what's in the heart that counts. What's in the heart? So Because people will accuse us of saying, you know, you think you're gaining favor by doing these things. Not at all. No favor whatsoever. It's all a matter of sensitivity to being with Jewish people, so they feel comfortable. And all of what we do is biblical, except the times we say it's not, and we tell you the truth. Okay, the sukkah. God says to build a sukkah. He just say he's general about that. He's general. We have all these traditions about the shape and the style, all the kind of stuff. And that's fine. We say, well, that's tradition. However, it's been around a long time. And that's how we do it. So we're going to do it that way. And, and, and it's not say, well, we don't do tradition. We do tradition. 
Tradition is rich. It, it keeps people together, but understand it and customs and so on. So, you who are not Jewish, can we all celebrate Hanukkah? Or is that a Jewish thing? Well, it would be nice if people understand it at the outreach who are not Jewish. You take the candles and our instructions and say, I can do this because they can do it. In remembrance of the miracles that God did in the preservation of his people and in, in the keeping of his word. And it focuses people on the word and upon him. Uh, for sure they can do Hanukkah. As I mentioned, the only place that's mentioned in the Bible is in the book of John, in the New Testament. All through history, Satan has attempted to undermine, discredit God's word. This is one of those times, the event of Hanukkah. God has predicted, that means prophetically, a prophecy is God's word. Okay, he has predicted that certain events would happen in a certain way in a certain place at a certain time. Book of Daniel has, is pretty precise to certain people, the Jewish people. Very exact. Satan is trying to undermine that and tear it apart. We're not going to, we're not going to let him do that. All right, because we're going to stand on this word. This is what we believe. This is the word of God. Jews are the chosen people. Israel is the land of promise that he gave to his chosen people. Period. And together, it connects and reveals the Messiah. All those things connect together. Because the Messiah, the people on the land are all one big picture of promise for the future and the blessings of the seed of Abraham to the entire world. Well, next week we're going to start and go into detail on the actual historical events which have spiritual overtones on the, the, the subtlety of wanting to be like other people, wanting to conform and in, inviting you. It's fun. Okay, you can be like this. You know what? You can eat this. It's okay. Just take a little. You can change how you how you're dressed, you, you know, just, just a little bit, and I'll, and oh, you know what? We'll change a couple of holidays. We'll add a couple here and there, and then the subtlety moves to well, it's now law. You can't do that anymore, and now you have to do this. And then it became oh, and if you don't do it our way, we'll we'll kill you. And you don't think we're going that way? Come back next week, and we'll talk about that. Let's stand.